Well, good evening. I say good evening to everyone out there in the name of Jesus. My name is Pastor Milton Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at Faithful Life Center. I'd like to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to our Christmas Eve service where we just want to celebrate, celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Man, there are so many things that we're going to talk about today. I guarantee you that your life will be changed forever in the name of Jesus. Well, we're going to jump right in. We're not going to hold you very long tonight, man. Every time I look back at that star, it just puts me in remembrance of what it is that Jesus actually done for us on the cross. So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to make this declaration. We're going to jump into the word in Jesus name that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captain, to open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. Glory to God and to comfort all who mourn. And to appoint unto them the morning Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That we might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. So, Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this opportunity in your word. Father, I thank you that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Move up and down to these airways. Touch each and every person who who's watching it live and who will watch it in the broadcast. We thank you right now that miracles, signs, wonders, revelation knowledge will flow freely, uninterrupted and unhindered. Father, I decrease that you may increase all of you and none of me. May you be glorified in all that we say to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say... Amen. Well, first of all, on behalf of Sister Joy and myself, I want to welcome you. And, and on behalf of Faithful Life Center, we want to welcome you again to our Christmas Eve service. Now, with everything that's going on in the world today, man, people are debating about this and about that. And, and should, you, should you go right? Should you go left? Should you go center? Is there a Jesus? Was there really a Christmas day? It, who in the world was Saint Nick? What, what's the big deal about the Christmas tree, and is it a pagan holiday? Well, one of the things we want to settle right up front, there is no Christmas without Christ. There is no Christmas without Christ. There's no such thing. I, in fact, you can ride past on the vendors right now, and you'll see an Xmas tree for sale. And I, you know, with my curious mind, I'll go ask them, what is an Xmas tree? Because without Christ, there is no Christmas. So let's just put that out front. Without Christ, there is no Christmas. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Was Jesus really born on December the 25th? I know inquiring minds want to know, but we're going to settle that argument right up front. Was Jesus truly born on December the 25th? Hmm. Absolutely inequivalent beyond the benefit of the doubt. No, he was not born on December the 25th. In fact, he was born, John the Baptist was his cousin, John the Baptist, was born about six months before Jesus. And John the Baptist was born between February and March, which would mean Jesus was born between the months of August and September. So 
to put it right out there, right up front, was Jesus born on December the 25th? Absolutely not. Jesus was not born on December the 25th. People ask this question. If Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th, then how did this whole Christmas deal come about? Where did the whole pagan holiday come from? People believe that Christmas is a pagan holiday, which you want to answer to that question? I'm so glad you asked. Boy, the answer to that question is absolutely inequivocally no. Christmas is not a pagan holiday. What would cause it not what would cause it to be a pagan holiday? Well, if you look up the mere definition of what a pagan is, a pagan is is pertaining to worship of a false God. Jesus is not a false God. Jesus is is the son of God. He is God. He is the word made flesh. In fact, Jesus is a part of the of the Godhead. So he is not a false God. He's a very living God. He's a very present God. In fact, he's a very present help in a time of trouble. So is Jesus and Christmas is Jesus uh, born on the 25th? No. Is Christmas a pagan holiday? No. So why was it decided to be be celebrated between December the 20th on December the 25th? And how do people believe that it came to be a pagan holiday? I'm so glad you asked that question. Very good question, by the way. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Pagans actually held a festival every year. Back in the Roman time, it was called, it's, it's called a solace festival. Or a better term for it is the Saturnia, Saturnalia which was at that time the most popular holiday on the ancient Roman calendar. It derived from it was derived from older farming related rituals of midwinter and the winter solace. Especially pertaining to of offering of gifts and sacrifices to the gods during the winter sowing seasons. So was there pagans who actually celebrated during that time of year? Absolutely. What dates did they typically do it between December the 17th and December 23rd? So during the time when this this pagan festival was going on, you did have people in Rome who were actually worshiping Saturn or the god of the sun. So how did how did Christmas get wrapped around that? Well, that's a good question too because Actually, Christmas is literally uh, the mass of Christ. Christmas, the word itself, means the mass of Christ or the day in which Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, I tell people you could celebrate Christmas on July the 25th. You could celebrate it on September the 3rd. You could celebrate it on August the 5th. It doesn't matter what day you're celebrating on. The biggest thing is, are you celebrating or worshiping or, or, being, or giving thanks to God for the fact that Jesus Christ was born? The most important thing is not what day he was born on, but was he born in the first place? And man, when we get to that part, ooh, it's going to be shouting up in here. Now, who was the one who decided that Christians will begin to celebrate the birth of Christ or have a, a mass for Christ but on between December the 25th. Well, if you go back in history, there was a pope, Pope Leo I, which was a bishop of Rome at the time of 440 and 480.
461, he actually wanted to coincide with the festival of the Saturnias when the Romans worshipped the Saturn, the, the, the sun god. What he was trying to do was try to keep believers from, from the pagans. The purpose of celebrating uh, Christmas or the Mass for Christ at this time was so that Christians or believers wouldn't be, be tempted to go over and worship with the pagans because that was not unusual at the time. So they created, hey, during the time that they're going to be celebrating or worshiping to the sun, we're going to be celebrating worshiping to the, they was worshiping to the S-U-N sun. We're going to be worshiping the S-O-N sun. We're going to be celebrating the death. Uh, as you were celebrating the fact that Christ was born and he says and the whole point was is to keep them from that festival but also he wanted to try to see if he could persuade some of those pagans to come over to the other side or come over to begin to worship and to begin to celebrate with the Christians of the mass for Christ. So how was it confused with this? This could possibly be a pagan holiday. The fact that during the time that the pagans were having their own celebration, Bishop, as you, yeah, Bishop uh, Leo, the Pope Leo the first was actually having a celebration for the mass for Christ. And he wanted to keep the believers from going over into the pagan worship and also at the same time begin to persuade some of the others to come on over to begin to worship at the mass for Christ. Do y'all see that part right there? See all that, most of the argument is, is around was Jesus born on the 25th? And if if he was if he wasn't born on the 25th, then Christmas is a pagan holiday. Well, now you got ammunition to go back to tell him, like, uh, look, if you go back and do your research, you will find out Jesus wasn't born on on the on the 25th. That's just the day in which they celebrated. And this is the reason why they celebrated on December the 25th. You said, Pastor, that sounds good. That talks about Jesus. But man, tell me about Santa Claus. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question, too, because the question really started off, who in the world was St. Nick? Or did St. Nick actually really exist? And the answer to that question is absolutely inequality. Yes, the man, Nicholas, he did actually exist. In fact, he was actually a very wealthy man back in the time of 280 A.D., back in what we now call Turkey, he did actually live. And what the, what he was, he, his family was rich, but what he did with his money, he would take his money to try to help those who were less fortunate, the poor and the sick. So what would he do? He would go around and he'd pass out gifts to those who, who were poor and sick. And he did this throughout his entire life. In fact, he did it so much that he, he gained a reputation for his generosity and his kindness and what he did is over 200 years after he died a church was actually built in his name because he was so generous in the things that he did and you know he he the thing, also the thing about it he was a monk and so he himself was a monk he later on beca and it became a bishop and over time through the process of time the the, the roman catholic church recognized him as a saint and that's where you get the name saint nicholas so they called him saint nicholas because he did so many great works helping the poor 
helping the sick. And people say, well, where does the word Santa Claus come from? Well, he does. He also helped many of the sellers and children during that time. And, and the Dutch actually called him Santa Claus was actually the name that they called him. The Dutch called him Santa Claus. And by calling him Santa Claus, as time went on, it went from Santa Claus. And the more time went on, they began to call him Santa Claus. Santa Claus. That's what they called Saint Nick. That was their name for him. How did he become Santa Claus, though? Well, as time went on, many years later, all the way up into the, the 1900s, they actually, a lot of, let me, let me do it this way. There was a very popular story, we call it, we call it the night before Christmas was in the 1900s and much of it had to do is actually how we come about our view of Santa Claus today. Actually in 1822 there was a minister named Clement Clark Moore who wrote a delightful poem for his his daughters, an account of the visit of Saint Nicholas. We know it today as it was the night before Christmas. Though some of his ideas were borrowed uh, from folklores, he put it all together that will become a highly, a hugely popular poem, The Night Before Christmas. So what happened is, is they begin, like any other thing, they begin to elaborate on. It went from, from St. Nick to Santa Claus to Santa Claus until it became Santa Claus and that's what we call it today now how do you know Santa Claus is not real I told this story a few years ago and I'll tell you again when I grew up I didn't grow up uh, I grew up in an area it was predominantly brown people or black people who lived in the area where I lived at well in the area where I lived at when you went to the mall you went to the mall you seen a black Santa Claus in fact, I thought for many, many years that Santa Claus was black until one day. One day I was watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on TV. And while I was watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, all of a sudden I seen it. It happened. I wasn't, I wasn't even prepared for what I was about to see. I seen white Santa Claus. I, I ran out of the room. I told my mother, I'm like, Mama, they got a white Santa Claus on TV. Santa Claus is not white. Santa Claus is black because in my neighborhood, Santa Claus was always black. And that's how I found out that Santa Claus wasn't a real person. St. Nicholas was. But Santa Claus himself, people know Nicholas never called himself a saint. Nicholas never called himself Santa Claus. That's what was names people began to give to him at the years after he'd already passed away. That's even like the name Chris Kringle. Chris Kringle comes from the famous movie uh, on uh, Miracle on 34th Street, where they, they call the guy who was there who was representing Santa Claus, Chris 
Kringle. And there's a whole different story about that. Why am I telling you about all this on a church broadcast? Because so many people in church are focusing more on Santa Claus than the Mass for Christ. Christmas is about the Mass for Christ. Yes, we get together and we bow and we, well, not this year, but we get together and we buy one another gifts and presents to express our love to one another. But the greatest gift you could give anybody would be the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Pastor, you've told us about December the 25th. Pastor, you've told us about how people got confused believing it was a pagan holiday. You also told us about Saint Nick, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, and where in the world did we get the name Kris Kringle? So you ask, but what about that Christmas tree? People say you ain't supposed to have a Christmas tree. Well, I would, and I'm going to show you the verse which they use to say you're not supposed to have a Christmas tree. Because many people have the same type of trees growing in their yard every year. They have it on, on for landscape. They have it uh, just because they like shrubs around their house. So let's talk about that Christmas tree. Turn with me, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 10. What's the big deal about that Christmas tree? Jeremiah chapter chapter 10, verse number one. I'm reading out the new, uh, the new American Standard Bible, and it reads this. Hear the, hear, the, uh, hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the ways of the Gentiles or those who are without a covenant. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one, catch this part, for one cuts a tree from the forest, the works of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not toddle. They are upright like a palm tree and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. Now, many people have used that scripture like, ha! That tells you you're not supposed to have a Christmas tree. Well, if you go back and read it in its proper context, he's talking about not making an idol. When he's talking about the works of hand, means they have crafted it to the point to make it an idol, and so that they can worship it, so they can bow down to it. That's why he's saying it can do. It, it is not able to speak. It's not able to do good. It's not able to do any evil. Why? Because it has no life, and it it is it. They're using it for the purpose of idol worship. That's why he's telling them in Jeremiah chapter 10 about the tree. And so many people say, well, that's why you're not supposed to have a Christmas tree because it says right there in Jeremiah, read it in its proper context. If you're, unless you're out there worshiping the tree, I mean, I know some people, they don't necessarily worship the tree, but they treat it like, boy, I mean, they treat that tree like it's pure gold. You better not touch that tree. You better stand far from it. And if you get too close to it, they're going to lay hands on you subtly, typically around your head and neck area to tell you to back up off of their tree.
Those are the things that the world looks at. But we as believers, how should we be viewing Christmas? And why should we, when we think about Christmas, and every day could be Christmas to you. You don't even have to wait to December the 25th. If you want to buy me gifts on, on, on July the 25th and say it's Christmas, hey, I ain't going to turn it down. If you say, man, the Lord told me to come and be a blessing to you on, on August the 31st because we want to celebrate the birth of Christ, man, let's do it. In other words, don't get so hung up about the date that you get in contentions with your brothers and sisters that you can't let them know what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. That is the predicament. That's the point. Don't God says, don't let it be a point of contention for you. If people don't want to celebrate Christmas, praise God. They don't want to do it on December 25th. They want to, in fact, in Russia, they celebrate Christmas on January the 6th. They don't even celebrate Christmas on December the 25th. They celebrate it on January the 6th. So don't get so hung up on a date that you let it become a point of contention. Let's talk about now. What was the real reason we celebrate Christmas as a believer? Well, we celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, the fact that it's a mass or a celebration for the birth of Christ because it's a fulfillment of prophecy. See, way back in the Garden of Eden, back when Adam and Eve had bowed their knees to the adversary, God made a, a prophecy and he prophesied in Genesis chapter 3, if you will turn with me there, Genesis chapter 3. Verse 15, and he says this, he's talking to the serpent as a result of the fact he's, he's tricked or he, he's, he's deceived Eve into partaking of the fruit. But Adam open re, openly rebelled against God and he yielded himself and they was now translated from the kingdom of dark from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. But God said this to them. He says in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, he says, and I will put enmity between you, he's talking to the to the serpent or to the adversary between you and the woman and between your seed and between her seed and and he shall bruise your head. This is what the seed of uh, the woman is going to. He's going to bruise the adversary's head, even though you will bruise his heel. In other words, what's he going to do? He's going to crush your authority or an authority that has that you have swindled from the man because you deceived him and, and, and caused him to yield himself. And he yielded himself to what it is the adversary said. And as a result, he turned over authority to the adversary over this world system. Everybody say, but God. Go ahead, say it. But God. God will never be outdone. In fact, when he prophesied Jesus was going to be this was going to come, he was and he was telling him he's going to come and the way he's going to come, he's got to come legitimately. See, John chapter 10 says, if if someone enters into the fold or enters into the earth other than by the door, what is the door for man to enter into the into the fold or enter into the earth? He has to come through the wound of a woman. That's why it was illegal for what it is the adversary did, because he did not come through the wound of a woman. He he deceived the serpent and the serpent yielded his body to the adversary and the adversary then you tempted Adam and Eve, and when they bowed their knees to him, he then he received authority that they had, and now they was under his dominion, and God would never be outdone. But God, 
Glory to God. God will never be outdone. So Jesus, even though God has spoke that he was going to be born, he still had to come through the doorway or through the womb of a woman. Now, when he came, what was he going to do when he showed up? Man, many times we read this back at, back in Isaiah chapter 9, if you will, you can turn there. Many times we read this during this particular time. We also read it during the time of the resurrection celebration, uh, what many people call Easter. We, we celebrate it at that time as well. What was Jesus going to do when he came? Well, Jer when Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6 says it this way, For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government or the kingdom will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to his increase, to the increase of his kingdom or government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. Even in the kingdom of God, there is the righteousness side and there is the justice side. So there's two parts of the kingdom of God from and it says from then on and for Ever. So when Jesus comes, when this child is born, when this son is given, it says when he come, this is what he's going to do. He's going to come and he's going to establish. He's, what did it say? Is He's going to establish the, the government or the kingdom. It will be on his shoulders. And when he, what he's going to do is going to be an increase of his government and his peace. And it will be established and he will uphold it with justice and with righteousness so when jesus comes jesus this is the prophet prophesying what's going to happen when he shows up so let's talk about when he shows up man i tell you what this is why when i talk about the christmas story i get so excited about us celebrating christmas but man we celebrate the birth of christ every single day when we lift up our hands and we thank god that unto us a child was born unto us a son was given and we know and believe that that is the case man we have a lot to be thankful for even in the midst of all the tests trials tribulations and circumstances that we've gone through this year man there's one thing the son always shines even in the midst of darkness even when it seems like all chaos is going on around you the sun the s-o-n always shines turn with me will you if you will to luke chapter one luke chapter one now it was prophesied in genesis it was also prophesied in hosea what it was was going to happen when he came let's see what happened glory to god Luke chapter 1, verse 26, still reading out of the New American Standard Bible. It goes as follows. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Goes back to the song. Mary, did you know? And coming in, he said to her, talking about the angels, greetings, favored one. 
The Lord is with you. But Mary said, well, she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Remember, the son had to come through the door of the womb in order to come into the earth to be legal. You said, he says, okay, he says, uh, uh, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yahshua. Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Say, sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like the same thing that Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6? Mary said to the Lord, how can this be since I am a virgin? In other words, I've never had sex with a man. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now think about this. In the natural, it sounded impossible. But with God, it wasn't impossible. And the angel said to Mary the same thing Isaiah prophesied was what was going to happen. Almost verbatim, what was going to happen. So we, 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 heard, we heard the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3. We heard the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. We've read the prophecy, the prophecy that was given in Luke chapter 1. Now let's turn over to Luke chapter 2 to see what really happens. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says this. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all inhabitants all, all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Kenyuris was governor of Syria and everyone on his way, everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea and to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. 
While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. No. In the same region, there was some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people for today in the city of David. There, was born, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby, a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heaven, heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So what happened? The very thing that the, that the angel said to Mary was the exact thing that happened. They, she ended up giving birth to the, 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 the son who was called, whose name is Jesus. We also says his name is called Emmanuel, God with us. Was Jesus born? Yes. Why do we celebrate Christmas? To, ce to celebrate the mass for Christ and acknowledging and worshiping God and thanking God. And it's the same reason now as it was when Pope Leo I actually established to worship and to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Was he born? Absolutely. Did he go about doing everything that, that God said he would do? Absolutely. From the time he began his earthly ministry at the age of 30, he began after he was baptized, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for because God was with him. And what was the one message that he preached everywhere he went? The kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is is at hand and what was he sent here to do according to isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 to reestablish the kingdom of god he said reestablish it he set it up and what what it says to that kingdom there will be no end so why do we worship and celebrate christmas why do we praise god for what it is he's done because it's a fulfillment of prophecy that he gave to he made a covenant a promise all the way back in the garden of eden saying that he would send jesus he would send us he would send a seed from the woman that seed would be our lord and savior jesus christ who would come back and even though satan would bruise his heel he says that jesus would crush 
his head and he crushed his head and he took back the keys to death, hell and the grave. And what did he do? He, he gave us a way to be reestablished or restored back into right fellowship with our Lord, with our heavenly father. And God will treat us as if we never sinned in the first place. In fact, it says in Ephesians chapter two, it says this by grace through faith. Are we saved? That word saved means healed, delivered, salvation, wholeness, protection, a prosperous life. And it all started when Jesus was born by Mary, the Virgin Mary. And what happened when he was born? It didn't say the wise men showed up. That was another time. It says the shepherds. The shepherds were the ones who the angels let know this is what you're going to see when you go to find when you and this is going to be a sign. You're going to find this baby. He's going to be wrapped in clothing and swallowing clothing. He's going to be in the manger. And when you when and, and when they heard about that, it says the angels in heaven begin to rejoice. But let me tell you something. They rejoice the, the exact the, the exact same way when a person who was once lost, gives their life back to the Lord and enters into a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, they take Jesus up on what it is he's done. John 3, 16 says it this way, that God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life or have the God kind of life. And when will that God kind of life start? The moment you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The greatest gift that you can give this Christmas is to offer someone the gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To help them to see why we celebrate Christmas. To help them understand the true meaning of Christmas. That there is no Christmas without Christ. He came for you. He came for me. He came to restore us back into right relationship. He came to bring us back into the kingdom of God. He came to reestablish the authority that he, that he once gave to Adam and Eve that they yielded in the garden. He came to put us back in right fellowship with him. And God treats you now as if you never sinned. Why? Because Jesus would go on by the end of his life, he would pay the price for every sin, past, present, and future that you would ever do. Just like, treat it like I'm St. Nicholas, coming with a precious gift, a gift to help you who are poor in spirit, who are brokenhearted, who have lost your hope. Man, I come to give you hope. I come to give you peace. I come to give you the greatest gift I can offer you. And the greatest gift I can offer you tonight is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he comes into your life, it will change your life. When you truly receive him, it will change your life forever. You will never be the same. You will never be the same. Now, are there things that you're going to have to do? Absolutely. But you don't wait till you believe you got it right before you receive this gift. It's kind of like on Christmas Day. You don't receive a gift. It's like, man, how much do I owe you? No, all you got to do is freely receive the gift of salvation. And i like to offer you that gift right now. Why did Jesus come? What's the real truth about Christmas? Was Jesus born on December the 25th? Nope. Was he born? Absolutely. 
Is it a pagan holiday? Nope, because he's not a false god. We don't celebrate the sun or the moon. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus was actually born. Was there a Saint Nick? Absolutely. But his name was Nicholas. Everyone else called him a saint. He just went about doing good with what it is that he had. Is the Christmas tree an idol? Not unless you bow down and worship it and pray into it. But it is something we use to, to as a festival? Yeah, but can you celebrate Christmas without a Christmas tree? Absolutely. The point is, was Jesus born? And the answer, inequitably, beyond the benefit of the doubt, is yes. And why was he born? To reestablish the kingdom of God, to bring justice and righteousness that that kingdom, there will be no end, and to help restore you back into right relationship with our Heavenly Father right now. And it's as simple, in accordance to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, to join with me right now so that you can accept or receive that free gift that would change your life forever. So if you will, repeat this out to me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in a grave, but he's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Savior and my Lord right now. I repent of sins. I'm sorry, Lord. And I receive your offer of forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible of evidence of speaking in tongues. I believe that I'm saved in accordance to your word and I receive it right now. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Well, if this if you receive that free gift, I want to thank you. I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. I want to welcome you to, to your new life. I want to welcome you back into right fellowship with our Heavenly Father. I want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you into the kingdom of God. Man, not only did you find out what the truth is about Christmas, you also found out, man, that free gift is available to you. And you partook of that free gift. And we're so happy for you. Now, the next step is for you to find a good Bible-based church where you'll be taught the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll also talk about the blood of Jesus. Faithful Life Center is a great place for you. We love to have you. And just like we're standing under the sun, just like Sister Joanna and I are, just want to welcome you into the kingdom of God on behalf of uh, Faithful Life Center, on behalf of Sister Jewin and myself, we'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a blessed and prosperous New Year. And remember, there is no Christmas without Christ. God bless you. We love you. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great night. Bye-bye.